Okay. So uh, tonight, I'm doing I'm doing a two week little series. So this worked out perfectly that everyone's together. I don't know if we're going to be together next week, but if you're in junior high, you can listen to this later on podcast if you want to hear the second week of it, since we may not be combined next week. Uh, for all my high schoolers, how did this go? Did anybody finish this? I did. You did? Did you get? Did you do all 30 days? Did you miss any days? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. How'd it go? Overall, good? Did you do it? Yeah? All 30 days? Nice. You go pretty good? Yeah? Anybody else? Did you guys do yours? Did you guys keep texting each other? I mean, I know you're texting each other, but did you actually text each other about your 30 days? Oh, okay. What? So for the junior hires that weren't here, guys, guys, stop. Hey, pick up all the jelly beans. Okay. For the junior hires that weren't here, basically I gave these things out. If anybody wants another one, I have, I think, five left. I can make more if we need them. But basically I handed these out to the high schoolers, and there's 30, like, pieces of these letters in here. So the goal was pick a habit that you want to try to, like, start in your life. So reading your Bible, praying, sharing the gospel with somebody, like, obeying your parents, whatever. You pick, like some spiritual uh, habit that you want to try to start in your life and you try and do that for 30 days straight and if you do the if you do it then you color in the day and if you do the next day you color in the next day and so the goal was to like have a visual representation of like actually hitting the goal daily to keep you motivated to keep doing it to give you a reason to do it to like kind of trick your brain to like want to do it more so you could finish filling all this out so you don't have any blank spots that was kind of the goal so uh, it was to try and get people to do something positive for 30 days. So, uh, if anybody wants one, I have a few of these left. You can pick those up afterwards. Um, if you want more, I can print more. Brianna made them up, so I can print as many as we need. So, we did it for basically for the month of September. So, we started September 1st. We ended September 30th, so it was like last week. So, anybody else in the high school have anything positive to share about it? Bianca, Hallie, Cameron. Anything positive to share? Did you guys do it? Was it helpful? Did you enjoy doing it? You're not in high school. You didn't do it. I, you can be. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to call anybody out. I'm just wanted to see if if it like worked. Did you think it was helpful? Did you enjoy it? Okay. Well, I was gonna have Brenda share her testimony of how it went for her because uh, she had kind of a cool outcome, but she's not here tonight. She was up all night last night dealing with stuff, so she is at home sleeping. But her t- her uh, habit that she picked was to be more intentional with prayer. And so not just praying, but her goal was to pray. Uh, like anytime somebody asks, hey, can you pray about this? Can you pray about that? Or, you know, sometimes, well, I don't know if you guys are on it or not, but the church will send out, hey, pray for so-and-so, they're having surgery this morning. Or, hey, pray for this. Or, hey, we need help with this. Or, this missionary is coming here. Or, the Bible conference is going on. Or, whatever. Like, Make sure we're praying about these things. So if somebody asked her to pray for them, she would her her habit that she was trying to put in place was right then to just pray for that person. And she also was trying to be more intentional with praying like at work. So Brenda's job, she works at a hospital, and so uh, they do procedures and stuff. So she got into the habit where she was starting to pray with patients 
like if they wanted her to pray, she wasn't just praying with everybody, but if she could tell that a patient was nervous or they were worried about the procedure, uh, she might ask them, hey, do you, can I pray with you about this procedure? And uh, I think all of them said yes. Or sometimes they would ask, hey, can you pray for me? And she said, well, can I just pray with you right now? And so she'd pray out loud with this patient right before they go into their procedure. And so she did that, I don't know how many times, but several times throughout the month of September. Elias. She did that a bunch through the month of September. But the cool thing about it was, I think it was this this past Monday or maybe it was Friday, um, she was doing something at work and one of her coworkers was, was in the room with the patient getting ready for a procedure and her coworker came out and said, hey, that lady in there is really nervous. Do you want to maybe go pray with her? And so like, her coworker came and got her because she noticed that Brenda had been praying with all these patients. And so she said, hey, do you want to go pray with this lady? And Brenda's like, yeah, definitely. Let me finish this and I'll come in and pray with her. And um, and then later on that same day, that same coworker, um, there was something else where she asked her to pray for her or maybe Brenda prayed with her coworker about something. I can't remember exactly the detail, but she got to pray. That same coworker had been noticing, hey, Brenda's been praying with patients before they go into their procedures uh, when they're nervous, when they need it. And so her coworker's thought was, let me go get Brenda to pray with this lady. And her coworker is Catholic, but she's not like really, uh, she's not a practicing Catholic. Like she is a Catholic in name, but she doesn't go to church or anything. Uh, but this lady understands at least the concept of prayer. And, uh, and so I just thought it was cool that she, her testimony through this 30 days was Brenda's the lady who prays with people, who cares about people and who wants to pray with them and understands that God does have the power to give this person peace, to help them through this procedure, et cetera, et cetera. And her coworkers being able to recognize that is a, is a big testimony, right? Because now when that coworker needs prayer for something, when something bad is going on in that person's life, who do you think the first one of the first people that she's going to reach out to is Brenda, right? To say, hey, Brenda, can you pray for me on this? And Brenda will have an opportunity to talk to her. And so just having that kind of a testimony with her coworkers was really cool that in 30 days of doing that, uh, that was the testimony that she had. Uh, she can give you more details, but that's the, the gist of, of what happened for her through that 30 days. So anyways, uh, if anybody wants to continue doing that, let me know. Or you don't have to let me know. Just grab one of those. Um, so I want to take two weeks and talk about prophecy. Um, this isn't something I've taught on before. But uh, I'm preparing to teach through the book of Joshua on Sunday mornings. So high schoolers, uh, we're going to be talking, we're going to be starting in November. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start uh, going through the book of Joshua. We'll be there for probably a long time. So if you want to start reading the book of Joshua now, uh, or over the next couple of weeks, if you're in high school especially, uh, we're going to be teaching on that. But I was reading through the book of Joshua as I'm getting ready to teach it, and um, something, was, something was standing out with me, standing out to me in Joshua chapter 3. So open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. If you don't have one, grab one. We're going to be looking up several verses tonight, so you're definitely going to want a Bible. So when I say Bible prophecy, what are some things you guys think of? What are some things that come to mind when I say Bible prophecy? Prophets. Prophets. Okay. What else? What comes to your mind when I say Bible prophecy? The Bible? Prophecy. Bryson is breaking this phrase down. When I say Bible prophecy of Joshua chapter 3. Yes. We're not doing a cheer. 
But when I say Bible prophecy, Bryson said he thinks of Bible and he thinks of prophet. Bryson said that. What else? No, you don't. Anything else? Anybody else? Elizabeth, what do you think of when I say Bible prophecy? What? Prophets? Okay, that's not... You guys are just using the word and you're just saying it in a different way. Anything else? What are some things that are prophesied about in the Bible? What is what is prophecy? What does that even mean? Not like the definition, but like when you say prophecy, what are you doing? Like if I'm going to prophesy about something, what am I what am I doing? What? Yeah, I'm I'm talking about something that's coming in the future, right? I'm prophesying, I'm predicting uh, now, in the case of the Bible, they're not predicting. They're actually, God is telling them this is going to happen. And then they're telling other people this is what's going to happen. So they're not guessing or predicting. But like when we think of prophet, prophesying now, uh, we would maybe think of predicting the future. Right? Okay. And what else? Anything else? Anybody got anything else? Okay. Well, that's fine. Uh, so the thing about the Bible is there's a ton of prophecy in the Bible. Uh, it's one of the main ways that we know that the Bible was written by God and not by man. I mean, the Bible tells us it was written by God and not by man. But, uh, you know, if you were to look at that skeptically and say, well, how do we know that the Bible was written by God and not by man? Other than just the fact that the Bible says it, right? I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, not the best way to prove something is because, oh, it says in the Bible, therefore it must be true. Well, how do you know that what the Bible says is true? It's kind of a circular argument sometimes, but... Uh, but one of the ways that we know that the Bible is written by God and not by man, God does not exist in time and space like we are, right? God is outside of time. God created time um, and God created space. So God exists outside of that. So uh, the way God perceives time is not the same way we perceive time, right? We know how long something takes because of, you know, how long, like from the sun up to the sundown, we, we can time things like throughout the day and hours and, di- and minutes and seconds and all of that. We can time things, you know, by the year based on the cycles of the moon and the seasons and all that. Um, so we, we know some things about time, but God exists outside of time. Like he's not restrained by time. So when God, when something is happening, when, when God says, Hey, this is what's going to happen. God's not guessing that that's what's going to happen. God already knows that that's what's going to happen because he's not in this linear timeline that we're in, right? God is like outside of that and he's, he can see all of time all at once, right? So he can say, hey, this event over here in 2024, I know what's happening because I can see it happening in real time. Also, while at the same time, I can see Adam and Eve in the garden over here, all that's happening at the same time for God, right? Like he exists outside of it. He doesn't, he doesn't live through it like, like man does. God's outside of it. So when God prophesies or God tells us what's going to happen, it's not him guessing or telling us this is what I think is going to happen or based on these educated thing, educated guesses, this is what I'm predicting is going to happen. God's saying, I can see it already happening. This is what's going to happen. And then he's telling that to man, right? And so uh, when, man, when man wrote down the physical words of God that, that God gave him and they prophesied about things that were going to happen uh, in the Old Testament when they wrote down things and said, hey, Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. Okay, well, the person who wrote that down never saw that happen, right? But that thing came true like 700 years later, right? Uh, we'll look at some of these verses in a little bit, but uh, the things that, that were written in the Bible, Bryson, stop. 
were written hundreds of years or thousands of years before they actually happened. And then those things happened exactly the way that the prophecy said that they were going to happen. And so that is a huge proof uh, for the, the truth of the Bible is over thousands of years, multiple different people, people who never even saw the thing happen that they were writing down that was going to happen, that the, all of those things happened exactly as they said they were going to happen. Uh, and that's not because they all these people guessed correctly. It's because God told them uh, exactly what was going to happen. And then it happened exactly the way that God said it was going to happen. So uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse 13 uh, when you think of when I think of the prophets or Bible prophecy, I think of the book of Revelation, right? There's a lot of prophecy stuff there that has not yet happened even now. Are you drawing on the front of your Bible? Don't draw on the front of your Bible. Uh, so Revelation has yet has not still has not happened for us. So that's still prophecy that that we're trusting the Bible that that's going to happen because the Bible says it's going to happen. But I also think of like the Old Testament prophets. Right, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, all these Old Testament prophecy books were written by people predicting things, uh, not predicting, writing down what God told them about things that were going to happen uh, later on. And a lot of those predictions were about Jesus Christ coming to the earth. And we're going to look at like eight or ten of those tonight. Uh, some of those were about Jesus Christ coming back the second time, which obviously has not yet happened. So some of the things in the Old Testament that were prophesied about still haven't happened but we know they're going to because everything else that they wrote about that has happened happened exactly the way they said it was going to happen and that's because god gave them the words so uh so when i was reading through joshua uh how many of you guys were here like two wednesdays ago for the bible conference night when pastor randy was preaching you guys remember randy preaching he was talking about the the duty of the kings whenever the a new king took the throne what they were supposed to do uh, was they were supposed to write their own copy of the Bible. Do you guys remember him saying that? If you're here for that. And he said he's not written the whole Bible out, but he's written a lot of the Bible out. Um, I've probably written two or three of the smaller books of the Bible. I've like maybe like Second Timothy or, you know, like smaller books. I haven't written like huge chunks. But now that I'm getting ready to teach Joshua, I've been writing out the book of Joshua by hand. Okay, and one of the things that I've noticed when you're, at least for me, when I write things down, like when I'm writing out the verses, I have to read them a different way than I read them. Like if I'm just reading, I can read and I'm trying to visualize maybe what's happening, trying to pay attention to the individual words that are on the page to like think about what's happening. But when you write them down, you pay a lot closer attention to the individual words. The words, uh, you know, I might write the same word over and over and over again. I'm like, man, I feel like I've written that word a bunch of times. I go back and look and it's like, yeah, I wrote that word a ton of times. That word is in there a lot that maybe just when you read it, you don't necessarily notice that, uh, but you pick up on different things whenever you are writing it down by hand. And so when I was, when I was writing down chapter 3, uh, in verse 13, Joshua is not a place that I really think of as like a prophecy book because there's not, uh, he's, not a, you know, he's not a prophet. Uh, it's not really dealing with prophetical type things, but uh, I found this interesting. In verse 13 it says, And it shall come to pass... That's a prophecy, okay? That's, it's going to come to pass. This thing is going to happen, right? And then they're gonna, he's going to tell what it is that's going to happen. But he's prophesying and telling them, this is what's going to happen. And he says, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon and heap. 
Okay, so he's telling them they're getting ready. To, the context of this is they're getting ready to cross into the promised land. Okay, they've been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, Moses just died at the end of Deuteronomy. Um, Joshua is now in charge of the people. They are literally crossing the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is the border of, of Israel. So when they cross this river, now they are in the promised land. And this is where they get to Jericho. So a couple chapters later from this, they, they fight the battle of Jericho. Um, so they're, they're literally, this is them physically walking through the water to cross the, the Jordan River to get into the promised land. And God's telling them, hey, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, as soon as their feet touch the water, the water is going to stop. They're going to be able to walk across on dry land. Okay, so that's what, verse 13, that's what he's telling them. It's going to come to pass. And then look how verse 14 starts. And it came to pass. Okay, so it was not like a long-term prophecy, like, hey, a hundred years from now, or a thousand years from now, or, you know, six weeks from now. Uh, they were telling them, I don't know what the period of time is, but literally the very next verse so first, it's this is going to come to pass. This is the way it's going to happen. And then, and it came to pass, verse 14. When the people were moved from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks at the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap. That's exactly what it said in verse 13 was going to happen, right? Uh, that exact same thing happened. And then it goes on to say, very far from the, uh, very far from the city of Adam that is beside Zeraton, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. Okay, so this is not like a, this is a prophecy. It's not like a long-term prophecy like we normally think of in the Bible where, uh, you know, future events are being predicted well in advance. Uh, but this is a prophecy, right? I mean, he's telling them this is what's going to happen. And then right like within, you know, hours or days, a very short period of time, what he said was going to happen happened exactly how he said it was going to happen, right? That, that is the fulfillment of prophecy. So that would have been, if I was an Israelite, if you were an Israelite who was alive at this time and Joshua comes and he says, guys, listen, this is what God told me. As soon as the priest's feet touch this water, it's going to stop flowing. The water is going to be dry and we can walk across on dry land. And they're like, okay, we'll see about that. I don't know. You know, that's what happened with our parents back when we left Egypt when we crossed the Red Sea. But I don't know if God's going to do that again. And then the next day or later that day or whenever it was, uh, they walk up, the priest's feet touch the water, the water stops flowing, the water's, you know, there's dry land, they get to walk across. That's a confirmation, right? I mean, if, if you heard that um, or, or I heard that and I was an Israelite, I would think, wow, this guy, Joshua, my leader, just told me that this is what's going to happen. This is the word from God that he just got. And then it happened exactly the way that God said it was going to happen. Because now God's getting ready to tell them, hey, you're going to have to walk around the city of Jericho once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times. And then the walls are just going to fall down and you're going to go in and you're going to win the battle. Yeah, yeah, there's more to it. We'll get to it whenever we teach through it. But he's getting ready to tell them that. And if someone told me, hey, walk around this building once a day for six days and then walk around it seven times the last day and it's going to fall down, that doesn't make any sense, right? Why? That doesn't even sound like something that's possible. Without touching the walls, they're just going to fall down. But God's given them little things, okay? God gave them little things throughout the time in the wilderness. Every day, manna came down from heaven. 
right? Wow, God's providing food for us every day. In the wilderness where nothing, or in the desert where nothing grows, God's providing food for us. God's providing water for us. There's not water in the desert, right? That's what makes it a desert. But God's providing constantly for them through the whole time. But each step of the way that God says, hey, this is what's going to happen, and then it happens. This is what's going to happen, and then it happens. That's just like building up their confidence in, hey, whatever God says is going to happen, is going to happen. He's done it time and time and time again. He's never been wrong. He's never said something that is going to happen that hasn't happened exactly the way he said it was going to. So each time that that God tells them something, because he's getting ready to tell them to go in and they're going to have to fight, right? They're going to win the battle of Jericho. They're going to get destroyed at the next battle in Ai. They're going to have a lot of fighting over the next few years to conquer the, the promised land that they've been given. There's giants there, remember? That's why they didn't want to go there in the first place. It's not going to be easy for them to do this, but God's like building up their confidence and, and making sure they know they can count on God, they can trust Him. And so He's giving them like little prophecies, little things uh, that are going to come true um, every time He tells them that. And so uh, that kind of stuff happens a lot. That phrase uh, came to pass. Anybody have a guess on how many times... The phrase came to pass happened. So some, if God says this is going to come to pass and then he uses the phrase came to pass, like it came to pass, that's that's proof of the uh, that's proof of the truth of what he had said. Came to pass. How many times do you think it's in the whole Bible? 1700. 190. 63. 17. 92, what? Yes. 7-7-7. Seven, seven, seven. Seven, seven, good guess, no? I think you're the closest, though. Wait, what did he guess? 7-7-7. Seven, seven, seven. <laughs> He's not that close. Someone get within 100, I'll tell you. 800. 888. No. 868. No. No. 800. No. You guys are way too high. Too high. Too high. How much? No. What did you say? No. How much? 6.15. No. How much did you say? <laughs> You're 101 off of the answer. Yes. 457 times. That's hilarious. I said if you got within 100, I would tell you, and you literally guessed 101 over the number. Okay, so 457 times. Uh, now, not every single one of those times is a, an exact prophecy and fulfillment like what I just showed you where it's like one after the other. But a lot of those deal with prophecy. I haven't studied out all 457 of them, I'll tell you that. Uh, but it's an interesting study, right, to just see how many times God says something's going to happen and then that thing happens. And, by the way, not every time that that happens does the, the phrase came to pass actually show up. Right? I mean, sometimes God might just say, hey, do this. And then the person does that. And then what he said was going to happen happens, but he doesn't use the words come to pass or came to pass. So uh, that's just kind of an indicator of how many times the, the Bible, how many prophecies are fulfilled throughout the Bible. And there, I don't know what the actual number is, but there's hundreds and hundreds of them. So um, look at a guy like Isaiah. You guys know the book of Isaiah, right? Um he was a, a major prophet, meaning he has a, a big book in the Bible. Um, but he was writing those things around 700 B.C. Okay, so...
So 700 years before Jesus, roughly, uh, Isaiah is writing his book. And God's telling him, God's telling him all kinds of stuff, right? Most of the book of Isaiah is prophes- prophecy about future events. Some of it is things that still haven't happened. Some of it is things, hey, put your phone away or whatever you got out. Some of it's stuff that has happened. Put your phone away too if you're messing with him. Some of it was stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Some of it was stuff prophesied about Jesus. Some of it was other just random things about the nation of Israel. But uh, 700 years before Jesus showed up, and there's, there's all this information that, that he wrote down um, and others that prophesied exactly what was going to happen when it came to Jesus. And um, the cool thing about that is, so think about if, if you wrote down something today in 2023, and then 700 years from now, that thing actually happened, what you wrote down, right? You obviously are not alive to see that, right? Isaiah did not see Jesus Christ physically on this earth because it happened 700 years uh, after he was writing things, after he was dead. Um, so he didn't get to see it. But think about the people who were alive, who were Jews especially, when Jesus was on the earth. They could look back 700 years and they would know hey, Isaiah wrote some stuff down 700 years ago about Jesus Christ, and I'm alive right now while Jesus is alive, and it happened exactly the way that Isaiah said it was going to happen. Jackson, shh. It happened exactly the way that Isaiah said it was going to happen. Right? If you were alive when Jesus was alive, and you knew what Isaiah had written, which if you were a practicing Jew, you would have known those things, uh, that would have been awesome, right? For you to see the the 700 year old documents that were written about that were being fulfilled so that would be like us if someone in 1300 wrote something down about what was going to happen in 2023 and we're alive in 2023 and we're watching those things happen we're like man something something was up with this guy this guy 700 years ago knew that this stuff was going to happen how did he know that well god told him that was going to happen well that makes sense um and then on top of that, think about Isaiah wrote this stuff 700 years ago, or 700 years before Christ. That's 2,700 years from, like, since, since then until now, right? That's almost 3,000 years ago that Isaiah wrote these things down that we now have. And now we can see, not only can we see what he wrote 700 B.C., not only can we see you know, when Jesus Christ was here, Uh, we're all the way over here in 2023. We can look back and we can see what he wrote here, what was fulfilled here, and some stuff that hasn't happened yet that we don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen sometime, you know, future from now. So we can we can see even more of it, right? We get more of the picture the longer time goes on. Yes, Bryson. Um, Turn to Romans 15 while Bryson asks his question. Why do you write in only that's how I've always written. Well, not when I was in school, but since I've been an adult, I've always written in all capital letters. My dad has always written in all capital letters. I maybe picked it up from him. I don't know. But I just like writing in all caps. Romans 15.4. I usually I will tell you, uh, my, my wife has pr- like almost never seen me write in lowercase letters. But when I'm writing the Bible out, like what I'm doing for Joshua and what I've done in the past, the Bible is not written in all caps, right? Because it's important when things are capitalized. So I also am not writing the Bible out in all caps. I will tell you it's very weird to...
to try to write in lowercase when I've only, for probably 20 or 25 years, I've only written in all caps. I have to like think about how to, how to write my letters in lowercase, but my, I don't have it with me. My writings? For me? No, write it on the board. Oh, I'm not, not going to write lowercase up there. If it's easier to do it uppercase, then I always do it. Like in E, it's... Colton. I can't write cursive. I, was just like, I don't like cursive. I curl my, I curl my E to go up and then over. Mm. All right, Romans 15.4. We got to get on this. We got 10 minutes left, 12 minutes left. Romans 15.4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Okay, that verse is talking about the things that were written aforetime, right? The, so when... When uh, this is being written, like in 30 or 40 A.D., right? when the book of Romans is being written, he's saying, hey, all that Old Testament writing and stuff, that was written for your learning. So you could learn from what the Israelites did then, and you can apply that thing in your life, and you can learn from their mistakes so you don't make the same mistakes. right? Those things back then, those were written as pictures and types of things that are to come now. Right, and so the things that were written in the Old Testament, uh, a lot of those things don't apply to us as far as like we don't do sacrifices, you know, like physical animal sacrifices. We don't have to go to a priest or a prophet to hear from God. Like we have the Bible, they didn't have the Bible, right? So things are different from the Old Testament, but that doesn't mean we can't learn anything from the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament was literally written for us to learn from, to take the things uh, in it and apply it in our life, and so. Uh, the people back then in the first century understood, hey, the things in the Old Testament were important. Let's pay attention to those things. For us, when we look at the Old Testament and we see prophecy, and then in the New Testament we see, oh, hey, that's exactly what God said was going to happen. That should that should go to our learning, and I'm going to talk more about this next week. But then we should be able to look at things that haven't happened yet, like the rapture, like the second coming, like, shh, Colton, pay attention. Like all the things that talk about in the book of Revelation that are yet to come, we should be able to look at those things and think, oh my gosh, those things are definitely going to happen because all these other prophecies have come true. And uh, I, I don't want to be you know, in a position where I have to stand before Jesus Christ and have nothing to show for my that what I did with my salvation, right? We're not going to be judged on our sin, but we are going to be judged for the works that we did after we were saved. I don't want to have to stand and look at my friends and my family members who I did not tell about Jesus, who are on their way to hell. I, I don't, I don't want to have to stand there and watch that happen, right? So the the things that the Bible says that are going to happen, uh, that should like concern us. We should know, okay, everything God has ever said has happened exactly the way He said it was going to happen, and He says we're going to watch these people be thrown into hell. I don't want to watch people that I love get thrown into hell. I don't think any of you guys want to do that. So if that's if God's telling us that's what's going to happen. Well, maybe that should give us more uh, of a desire to go out and tell those people about Jesus and at least give them the opportunity, uh, at least give them a chance to hear uh, about the gospel so that's not how they end up, right? So prophecy is, is important in, like, the way we apply it in our life. We, we are not, you know, prophesying about future events, and everything that God wants to tell us is written down in the Bible, so we have all the prophecy we're going to get. Um, but there's some still some practical things we can apply from... Uh, the idea of prophecy. All right. Um, I'm going to write down a few verses I want you guys to go to. We'll go to them in order, but first is going to be Micah. That might take you guys a minute to find. So go to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. 
We're only going to hit a couple of these because we don't have time for all of them. Micah 5-2. Huh? Yeah, it's right here. 5-2. It's literally on the board. Look at the board. Stop asking me where it's found. Just go to Micah 5.2 for now. You don't need to go to all these verses. Uh, is everyone in Micah 5.2? Uh, I wrote all that stuff down. If I flip there and find it before you guys, it's going to be embarrassing. Micah 5.2. I found it. Okay. Shane, come on now, man. Someone help someone help Shane out, man. If someone next to you doesn't have it, better find it. That's Malachi, bro. That's the wrong book. Micah, not Malachi. You have you have the cheater thing. And I can't I can't just scan them. What? Yeah you can. I have the cheater thing too, but I still have it for you. Jose Joel Amos. Jonah Micah, right there. M I C. That's Micah. You're almost there. Hosea, Joel, Amos. Yeah. Micah. Micah, five. Verse two. Yes, Bryson. Hey, guys, stop. There's no more water. Let's get out. All right, listen up. Shh. Hey, shh, focus. If you're not there, it's fine. I will read it. Just listen closely. This is this was written around 710 B.C., so roughly 710 years before Jesus is born. This is what it says about Jesus. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephraim, or sorry, Ephratah, though thou be little among the, the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall, come, shall he come forth uh, unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Okay, so that's not written in a way maybe that is, like, that's not the way we talk now, but he's saying, hey, Bethlehem, you're a small town. This would be like, God saying, "Hey, Harrisonville, I know you're like one of you know you're a small town in the whole scope of the nation of America, right? We're a small town in Harrisonville, but out of you, Harrisonville, is going to come the next president of the United States." Okay, now I'm not comparing Jesus to the president. Don't misinterpret that. That's not the analogy doesn't go quite that far. But what I'm saying is, Bethlehem was a small town, okay, and and 700 years before Jesus was born. God's telling us through Micah, telling the Israelites specifically, but telling us now, uh, hey, Bethlehem, you little town, out of you is going to be born this ruler of Israel whose going forths have been from old, from everlasting. So he's both prophesying that uh, the ruler of Israel is going to come from Bethlehem, and he's also saying that ruler is going to be the everlasting God, right? The, the eternal God. So that's in Micah. And then in Matthew chapter 2, I'll read it so you don't have to flip there. If you want to flip there, you can. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now when Jesus was born 
Hey, if you're not there, just listen. Don't talk. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Uh, you probably already knew Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but this verse confirms Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just like it said it would happen in Micah chapter 5. And John chapter 1, somebody from the junior high class, tell me what John 1, 1 says. Wrong one. Say it. Just say it. Yeah, you're not junior high, but that's fine. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? Everlasting Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. Okay, those that's just two of the confirmation verses of, of Micah chapter 2. All right, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We had a couple minutes. Let's boogie. Isaiah 9. It's written up there. Verse 7. I'm already there. I'm looking for the Luke one right now. Smoked you. Alright, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. Listen up. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Okay, and then the parallel passage is Luke chapter 1, verse 32, which says, He shall be great. Let's talk about Jesus. And shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. So Isaiah 9, 7 tells us uh, that he's going to sit on the throne of David. Right? David was the king. Jesus, in order to be king, right, you have to be of the lineage of the king. Right? So David's son Solomon was the next king. And then Solomon's son was the next king. And then the next king. And the next king. And there wasn't a king for a long time in, in Israel. Um, but this prophecy in Isaiah is saying, hey, Jesus is going to be from the line of David. We're going to be able to trace him back. And if you read all of uh, uh, Matthew chapter 1, you get the whole lineage from, uh, I think it goes all the way back to Abraham, but you get all the way from David all the way to Jesus. All the names are listed. Here's exactly where he came from. David's son was this, and that guy's son was this, and that guy's son was this. Son, 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 all the way down to Jesus. And so, you know, they, we can trace the lineage of Jesus. He definitely is a descendant of David, just like it says in Isaiah 9. Right, Isaiah 7.14. You're already there, or flip over one page. And you will be there. And then Matthew 1.18. If you want to go there, you can. If you want to hold both places, or I'll just read it to you. All right, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay, that's a pretty bold uh, prediction that a virgin is going to have a baby. Verse uh, 18 of Matthew chapter 1 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then in verse 22 it says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So this it's saying all of the stuff that it, re, that it talked about in Matthew chapter 1, all of that stuff happened in order to fulfill what the prophet said, and then it basically quotes the verse that we just read in Isaiah. And I've got a, I've got a whole list of these. I mean, this is like a small list compared to how many of them there are. 
there's a ton of these prophecies where it says something in the Old Testament and then 700 years, 800 years, 1,000 years later, it happens just the way that God said it was going to happen. And so uh, that kind of all builds up to what we'll talk about next week. Um, we might just combine next week so you guys can hear the conclusion of this regardless of whether or not Ray is here to teach. Yes, sir. So for me, the 14th Emmanuel is spelled with an I, but Matthew is spelled with an E. That's interesting. Do you know why that is? No. So uh, the long and short of it is different languages, you would spell your name different ways. When I lived in Albania, the the name Luke in Albanian is Luca. It ends with an A. It's, that's just how they say my name in Albanian. So uh, Isabel, do you say, you say Isabel, right? Do you say Isabel? Do they say Isabel in Spanish? No, it's just Isabel. Are you sure? You know better than I do. Names, different names are pronounced different ways in different languages. So the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. Do you even know your name? Yeah, do you know your name? Do you know what you're talking about? All right. It's 801. Let's pray. And then we'll get out of here. Make sure you pick up all those jelly beans off the floor. If I find any jelly beans, we're stopping doing snacks on Wednesdays. So pick them all up. The jelly beans. Almost all of you had snack tonight of some kind. Jelly beans, candy. You have a candy cane in your mouth right now. Soda, bomb pops, water. There was. Isabel had one last week. Right up there. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord God, thank you for this evening. God, thank you for uh, this opportunity just to look at prophecy in your word. God, thank you for uh, just preserving your word for us, God, so that we can go back and we can look at uh, the things that you said are going to happen, God, and then the, the way that they happened exactly how you said they were, God. It just it further confirms for us, God, that that, uh, that your word is perfect. Your word is written uh, by you, and you are perfect. And so, God, I just thank you for um, just the opportunity to go through this study. I pray that it was helpful, God. I pray that it does um, challenge us and push us to think about the other prophecies in your word, God, that have not happened yet and uh, how those things impact the way that we ought to be living our lives and, God, the importance of, of having a prayer life and the importance of uh, being a, a light in, in our schools and our jobs and our families, God, just being a light where people can see uh, you shining through us and uh, just have an opportunity, God, open doors to be able to share the gospel with our friends and family members. And, uh, God, that we would just place a level of importance on that uh, based on what we know is coming, God. And so we'll talk about more of that, about that next week. But, God, I just thank you for uh, everything you do for us. Uh, I ask you to give a blessing on the rest of our evening. In Jesus' name, amen.